and they prayed the prayer and turned from their unbelief. They, they got saved today. And that's what matters. We're just rejoicing over that. We've got a lot of follow-up work to do. And I would tell you that uh, all of those cards that were filled out this morning, somebody's got to follow up on them this Tuesday night. So if you can make it out Tuesday night at 6.30, I'm going to keep the sermon really short tonight, help you get home and get to bed so you can catch up, those of you that put in all the work. And if you can show up Tuesday night and help us follow up on, the, on those uh, visitors, we would greatly appreciate that. All right, very good. Let's stand back up. I didn't want, I didn't want to make you stand through all that. Isn't that nice of me? You, your legs have gotten tired. Let's greet one another. Shake each other's hands. You still have that chorus? Good. We'll come back and sing that chorus in just a minute. Amen. Let's sing that first verse together. Here we go. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. Heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Pastor Mike, why don't you come and open us in prayer? Oh, before you do, before you do, a couple of very important announcements. And these are, um, these are both heavy and sad, so please give me your attention. The first one has to do with uh, Brother Ed Cowan, who usually sits right back here on Sunday mornings. He was here two weeks ago. And Brother Ed has taken a turn for the worse, and I mean a hard turn for the worse. I was up to see him this, this afternoon after church, and uh, they're bringing in hospice to take care of him. He'll probably pass this week. And so uh, he was just diagnosed with ALS, what, three or four months ago. And my prayer for Brother Ed, let me just say this. My prayer for Brother Ed has been that either God would heal him or God would uh, keep him from suffering. And we know how debilitating and uh, terrible ALS can be over the long haul. And so uh, he's right on heaven's doorstep. I've had many conversations with Ed. He's saved. He's on his way to heaven. And so, uh, but uh, that announcement. The second announcement, and... Some of you may already know about this. Uh, Miss Trina Bish, Pastor Bish, who pastors up in Wallingford at Heritage Baptist. Miss Trina Bish passed away, uh, I believe it was a Saturday morning. And so, um, uh, very sad. Miss, Mrs. Bish has touched so many people's life as a pastor's wife for many, many years. Been there as a strong support for her husband. Uh, we need to really hold the Bish family up, as well as Heritage Baptist Church up in our prayers. And I've been in contact with um, Carrie Urbanowitz. Carrie's been a longtime member here before, and now her and her husband go to church up there. And uh, I have volunteered our church to do the child care during the funeral and also the the food, uh, uh, the the table chair set up and and clean up, as well as the food distribution. The funeral is this Friday at 10 o'clock. We're going to have a shuttle bus that leaves here at 9 o'clock. If you're able to go up and help us, we don't want their church members doing anything but just enjoying the service and then grieving that day. So uh, we need all the help we can get. I'm going to take my staff up there. And so if you can free up your schedule to go, it would be greatly appreciated. We're going to cover their nursery as well as the, um, uh, the, serving, the serving of them that day. So please see me or one of the men on staff if you're going to be able to go. That way we can count you in. All right, let's pray for those two and that God gives us a good service tonight. Pastor Mike. Let's pray. Lord, many things that are heavy on our hearts as uh, we hear of news from uh, Brother Ed and from the, uh, the family, the Bishop's family uh, up at Heritage. Uh, we do pray that your grace and will would be done in both uh, of the family's lives. The uh, friends, Lord, those that know the uh, uh, Bishop's and from Brother Ed, Lord, uh, here at home. We do pray, 
Lord, uh, your blessing upon them. And we ask that you administer grace, God, where it's needed. We do pray for our service. Lord, thank you for all that has been said and done so far today. We ask that you would uh, bless uh, everything that is said, everything that is done. May it honor you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Let's take our hymnals again and turn to hymn 106, 106, first, third, and fifth of We Three Kings of Orientar. <clears throat> Three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding. Guide us to thy perfect light. Number three. Frankincense to offer have I. Incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising, all men raising, worshiping him high. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright. Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Number five, glorious now, behold him arise, King and God and sacrifice. Hallelujah, hallelujah, earth to heaven replies. Oh, star of wonder, star of night, Star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Just to give an outreach testimony, I spoke about a lady who had uh, received a track on her door by uh, Barbara and another lady she uh, went, went out soul winning with. Um, this lady's name is Jennifer, and uh, she went online and checked us out and also heard some sermons online and decided to make a visit to us. And um, during the morning cantata service, the second service, uh, she came up the aisle and she approached me and my wife and she tapped me and she said, hi, my name is Jennifer. And I said, oh, you're the one I've been calling trying to set up an appointment to kind of uh, talk to her about uh, how to get to heaven and things like that. So she came up to uh, came up to me and I we uh, introduced uh, to each other and I asked her, I said, um, you know, we finally get to meet. Um, now, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And uh, she said, yes, I know for sure I'm going to heaven. And I think it's amazing how this long process of a couple ladies going out, uh, uh, her visiting the website, her hearing some sermons, us visiting her on Tuesday, and uh, just following up with her on Saturday, how it's all just the work of the Lord being manifested and being uh, displayed on how God wants his church to be built. Um, I should have asked her, uh, how do you know for sure you're going to heaven? But uh, I believe she she raised her hand during one of the, uh, or during the uh, second uh, cantata viewing. So thank the Lord for that. Um, that's what it's all about. So again, like Pastor mentioned earlier, Tuesday we have a lot of visits. So please come on out and help us with that. We need your help. Tonight for the bus report, I got kind of a fun one. Um, Brother Andres is going to come up here and he's really going to t- tell the story. Um, he was able, recently we were able to reach a young boy who's going through quite a bit of t- turmoil. Someone probably even saw his card, um, Amir, and say, he was telling me about something that happened down in Kitsap. I'm like, man, you got to share that with her. I was getting all encouraged by it, so I wanted him to share it with you. Brother Andres? So, um, happened last week. It was during our children's service, and there was an invitation. Uh, Pastor Levine went over the invitation, and, you know, this young man, Amir, raised his hand, and we, you know, he, he wanted to make sure he was going to heaven. It was um, more of a uh, confirmation than a, a leading to the Lord. But it was a very interesting one, because I never had this done before. Uh, I've always, you know, had to confirm it or lead someone to the Lord. But the questions he asked for a young man that young, very young, the questions he asked, he said, I, I got saved a few weeks ago. I prayed the prayer. And I went home and I told my family. And they said, my siblings said to me, 
you can't take the easy way out. That's not how it works. So I looked at him and I said, what do you mean you can't take the easy way? He's like, praying a prayer and asking Jesus to forgive all your sins. Like, yeah, it's kind of like easy way out, you know. There's got to be more than that. I told him, like, no. It's easy. Just accept it. It's a free gift. And it's yours. You know, we know that God's not a liar. We know that he promised us this gift. All we have to do is accept it. It's us for the taking. I told him the hard part is what comes after. He looked at me a little confused. He said, it's your daily walk with God. You're going to have to pray every day, read your Bible every day. You're going to stumble. You're not going to want to do it. And it becomes hard. So the devil will tempt you. So even Jesus, who was a man, even though he was Jesus, he led the perfect life. He was tempted. And he wanted, his look in his face was pretty incredible. He was like, so, I I tried to explain to him, I said, listen, you're never going to be perfect. But know that even if you die today, if you really meant when you you pray that day, you're going to go to heaven. So the easy part is accepting it, the hard part is living it. So now all you got to do is just keep coming to church every day and, you know, try to be like Jesus. We're never going to be like him. We're never going to be perfect. But we have to abide by his commandments. He he laid it out for us. As soon as I finished saying that, he said, okay, I got it. Got up, went back to class. (laughs) So, Amen. I thought that was just a a great testimony. Because I I think if I would have been to it, I would have just jumped into eternal security and everything. I liked how he brought that into the Christian walk, though. Because, yeah, get, get, getting saved, well, he did all the work, right? That, is that the easy way out? But yet the next part comes, you know, the next day and getting up and reading our Bibles. And, you know, we had a big day today at church and getting back into the car and coming back to church, even though some of us were here from 8 o'clock to, you know. Yeah, well, no. Okay, the Christian getting saved is easy. Now we just have to try to live it. The way he answered that was just so wise. And everything that that young man's going through in his life, I thought, man, what a best, that is the best answer that could have been given. So I wanted to share that testimony with you guys. I wanted him to. Pastor? Let's stand together, turn in our hymnals to hymn 102, hymn 102, Born to Die. We will sing the first and the last. On the night Christ was born, just before break of morn, as the stars in the sky were fading, o'er the place where he lay fell a shadow cold and gray of a cross that would humble a king. Born to die upon Calvary, Jesus suffered my sin to forgive. Born to die upon Calvary, He was wounded that I might live. Number four. Dearest Lord, evermore may Thy cross I adore as I follow the path to Calvary. Of thy death I partake, my ambition I forsake, all my will I surrender to thee. Born to die upon Calvary, Jesus suffered my sin to forgive. Born to die upon Calvary, He was wounded that I might live. You may be seated. Ushers, if you would, uh, Brother John, there you go, make your way forward. (laughs) Uh, Just to highlight some announcements in the bulletin, uh, for the teens, there will be a Christmas party at Scarpetti's house December 16th. That would be from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., and the address is in the bulletin. Uh, we are asking that the church teens drive to his house, and uh, me and Rachel will take the uh, bus to pick up the uh, bus teens. So church teens, please um, make your way to his house on that day, December 16th. Also, as a reminder, December 16th at, at 1 p.m., 
uh, will be the, the bus training meeting uh, with Pastor Dave. So see him if uh, you know who you are for this. So see him on that uh, tonight uh, just to show up those, uh, that time and that day. Baby Day is December 17th, and we also have all the uh, teen snack that's going on uh, within our bulletin there. So all your announcements uh, that uh, are in the bulletin, so pay attention to those uh, that concern you. Uh, Brother Mike uh, Var, could you pray for tonight's offering, please? One last hymn for tonight. Turn your hymnals, if you would, to hymn 79. Thou didst leave thy throne. We'll sing the first and the last. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown When thou camest to earth for me But in Bethlehem's home there was found no room for thy holy nativity. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. Number five. When the heavens shall ring and the angels sing at thy coming to victory. Let thy voice call me home, saying, Yet there is room, there is room at my side for thee. And my heart shall rejoice, Lord Jesus, when thou comest and callest for me. I don't have my wireless mic. We're just going to stick with the pulpit tonight. Philippians chapter 1 in your Bibles. Philippians chapter number 1. There are sermons and there are sermonettes. A sermon is a full-blown, full-length sermon. This is more of a sermonette. This will be a a 10 or 15-minute message. And the reason why I have decided uh, to shorten this down, I'm actually taking a full sermon and just going to cover one point of it tonight. The reason why I've chosen to cut this down is because I know that many of you have labored hard this week. Now, we had a long, long practice on Thursday. We were here till probably 9, 9.30 at night, and then yesterday with a practice, and then all the snow cleanup at home, and then uh, two full services today. And if you are as exhausted as I am, then I'm sure you'll be appreciative that your pastor is going to be short-winded tonight. And so we'll be finishing up really quick. Uh, but... 
nonetheless, I do have something really important I'd like to share with you. This morning's sermon was uh, giving the gospel. So if you're already saved, you maybe got another tactic of how to give it, but you weren't really fed. I do want you to be fed tonight. I want you to get something from God's word that will be a blessing tonight. We're going to work to be very concise and to keep it brief. Let's stand for the reading of God's word tonight. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 6. We'll read down through verse 12 and then primarily tonight, or rather through verse 11. And then primarily tonight, we're going to be in verses 10 and 11. The Bible says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. For God is my record, which... How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. The title of the message this evening is simply this, The Christian's Goal. The Christian's Goal. Let's pray. God, I ask tonight that you'd help us as we uh, take an abbreviated time uh, and preach. And Lord, consider a, a powerful truth uh, from your word. I, I pray, God, that you would help us to consider uh, the message. And God, that you'd help us to ask, are we just wandering aimlessly through the Christian life, taking it as it comes Or are we living it with goals in mind, with a purpose in mind? And Lord, I pray that these verses tonight would challenge us to to just take inventory spiritually and make adjustments where we should. Thank you, Lord, for the hard work that was put out by the people of this church. Thank you for the souls that were saved. We look forward to, uh, God, the follow-up of these folks. And, Lord, the spiritual growth, discipleship of them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Before we get into this tonight, I wanted to just say a word about our Christmas Eve service. And our Christmas Eve service will be on a Sunday night this year because Christmas Eve falls on Sunday. And so uh, it will be from 6 to 7. It will be a one-hour service. It will not be a traditional Sunday evening service. If you came last year, we passed out candles and we sang Silent Night with the lights dimmed in the building. We'll do that again. Um, We're also going to bring our our bus kids in that night. And we will... um, uh, we will give them Christmas presents upstairs. Now, uh, how many of you got a picture on Bus Emphasis Sunday? Would you raise your hand if you got a picture on Bus Emphasis Sunday? If you did not get a picture, we have extras. Here's what I'm going to ask. Please listen very closely because this is one of those deals where if you don't do what I ask you to do, it's going to be obvious you didn't listen to instruction. Okay? So listen very closely. I don't want you to buy a gift for the child on your, on your picture. I want you to buy a gift for uh, for I want you to buy a gift for the child, but I don't want you to put the name on there. So what I want you to write, for instance, if you have a uh, if you have a junior age boy on there, I want you to buy a gift for a junior age boy and then write on there junior age boy. OK, here's why. If uh, there were multiple pictures passed out of the same kids, we only have 30 kids or 120 pictures printed. And so there were kids that did not get picked up off the altar. Right. Uh, pictures didn't get picked up off the altar. If you write the name of that child on the gift, somebody's going to get left out. So buy a gift for a junior age boy, junior age girl, teen boy, teen girl, and write junior age boy, junior age girl, teen boy, teen girl, or primary boy, primary girl. And then we'll get the gift distributed that way. As you buy that and get it wrapped, you can put them under the tree in the lobby, and we'll know that's what they're for. If you have any questions about that, you can come ask me after church if, if that was clear as mud. All right? Uh, So help us with that. Help us get those out. And there will be a detailed instruction of that in the bulletin next week. All right. Very good. Let's jump in tonight and look at this topic of the Christian goal. Philippians 1 6 is a verse that uh, is familiar to us being confident of that. This very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. So by way of introduction, I just want to say that our confidence does not come uh, in our abilities. Our confidence comes rather in our familiarity, our familiarity. Now, what do I mean by that? If you're relying on you and your strengths to accomplish the work of God, there is great reason to lack confidence. Especially if you truly understand how weak and anemic you are. But... 
If you are familiar with God's power and you understand how powerful he is and you're relying on his power to do the work through you, now you can have confidence. Now you can have confidence. So let me say that again. Our confidence does not come from our own ability. Rather, it comes from our own familiarity with his ability, his ability. So as we understand how capable God is, how that he can take the babes of the world and confound the wise. He can take the simple and, and confound the complex. He can take the weak and confound the strong. We understand that, hey, all I've got to do is be willing and be available and be dependable. And God can use me to do anything, can do anything. And so once you decide that and you understand, hey, listen, I I understand that God created the worlds uh, with uh, his breath and that he breathed into existence everything there is and that he reached down with his hands and he formed man out of the dust, that he created science that is so complex that uh, we have studied it for thousands of years and yet it is still not understood. That was created by his tongue. If God can do all that from nothing, then he can take little old me that's weak and anemic and he can accomplish anything he wants to accomplish as long as I'm willing to let him do that. Now, uh, the simplicity of 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 uh, being a servant for God is that he has the power. He just needs us to be dependable. But the complexity of it is we can't seem to get out of our own way. Right. Uh, God, I got this. Well, wait a minute. Why do you got this and why don't you let God got this? Bad grammar, good preaching. Step out of the way and just let God do the work. He doesn't need you to be articulate. He doesn't need you to be educated. He doesn't need you to be uh, the best out there. In fact, uh, I feel like that people like that got a greater have a greater battle on their hand because they've got to they've got to really surrender their abilities over to the Lord. If you don't have any abilities, then God can step in and do a great work with you. And there are all kinds of Bible examples of that. But once you get this ball rolling of confidence found through Christ and I can do all things through Christ, through Christ, which strengtheneth me, then what is it that you are to do? Well, uh, here uh, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, what it is that we are to try to accomplish in our Christian life. And let me give you uh, three points tonight. Point number one, and the, the notes won't be on the screen. Point number one is this, refuse to settle. Refuse to settle. Look down at verse 10 with me of Philippians chapter 1. It says there, that ye may approve things that are excellent. That ye may approve things that are excellent. Now, uh, there are all kinds of people that walk around and say that Christians are not supposed to judge. You're not supposed to judge. Don't judge me, they'll say. And I've talked about uh, being a judgmental Christian quite a bit uh, from the pulpit. But uh, let me just make sure that we understand how this judge things thing works. You're not supposed to judge someone's motives. You're not supposed to judge someone's life that doesn't exist under your jurisdiction. But you are to judge that which directly affects you. You are to make judgment calls. And uh, what here Paul is saying is be observant and careful about what you allow as part of your daily intake in your life. Don't settle for good, only accept and expect excellence in your Christian life. Only accept and expect excellence in your Christian life. Hey, if there's a friendship that you have with somebody and they're keeping you from being excellent, maybe you need to be friendly without being friends. If uh, there is a, uh, a TV show that you're watching that is consuming your mind or polluting your thinking, and it is not necessarily a, a bad show, but it's preventing you from being an excellent Christian, then maybe it's time to set that to the side. If there's music you're listening to that is uh, influencing you to be a good person, but not a excellent person or that which is excellent in your Christian life, then it's time to set that to the side. Uh, there's a quote I'd like to share with you tonight, and it is this, the enemy of the best is not normally the worst, but rather the good. Let me give that to you again. The enemy of the best is not normally the worst, but rather the good. You want the best for your Christian life. Well, if that's really what you're after, then the worst is not generally going to pull you down. You're not going to be pulled down by the worst of things, but you will be pulled down by mediocrity. 
And you will be pulled down by mediocre people. And you will be pulled down uh, by, uh, by mediocre results. We have a habit in the Christian life of, of uh, looking around at other Christians around us. And as long as they're pleased, then we're pleased. My friend, I'm not really the measuring stick of whether or not you're living a good Christian life. You can please me without pleasing God. Do you know that? I see uh, husbands do this all the time. They do just enough to keep their wife off their back. As long as the wife's happy or content, then they're good. Or the wife will do just enough to keep her husband off their back. Here's one, children. Children will do just enough to keep mom and dad from correcting them. Go make your bed. They'll sloppily make it. Mom and dad will come in and say, you can do better than that. And so they take a little bit more time to put in order just a little bit better just to get mom and dad off their back. But as children of God, I think we can be guilty of the same thing. Well, yeah, I fulfilled the Great Commission. I passed out that track once, ten years ago. I've done my job. I've done my part. Yeah, I, uh, I've been an encouragement to someone else. I... I told my husband that he didn't blow it that bad. I mean, that that's encouraging, right? And the enemy of the best is not usually the worst. Usually it's rather it's the good or the mediocre. Don't settle. Refuse to settle. Paul said here in Philippians 1.10 that ye may approve things that are excellent. It's like a quality control inspector at a job where the parts are coming off the line and the job, the last Part on the on the line there is to look at the product and make sure that it's uh, that it's to standard, that it isn't just uh, okay, but that it meets the quality control standard. And Christian, you're constantly to be doing inventory in your heart and looking at the way you're living your life and asking yourself this question: Is my behavior, and my attitude, and my submission to the Lord, is it good or is it excellent? Does it meet the quality standard of the Bible? Again, the Christian's goal here: number one. Refuse to settle. Number two, be sincere. Be sincere. Look at verse 10 with me. Notice here it says that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Sincere. Ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. The word sincere is only used one other time in Scripture. Twice in the whole Bible. And the root word for sincere in other places is translated as pure. Pure. What does it mean to be sincere? Well, uh, it's probably a more complex definition than just pure. But I believe that's a great application, or rather that is one good uh, interpretation of the word pure. Two theological students were walking along a street in the Whitechapel district of London. Uh, in there, there was a section where old and used clothing was sold, such as a consignment shop with a, uh, 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 what a fitting illustration all this makes, said one of the students as he pointed to a suit of clothes hanging on a rack by a window. A sign on it read this. It said, listen, slightly soiled, greatly reduced in price. Slightly soiled. Greatly reduced in price. Now, if you're a preacher and you see a sign like that, boy, you jump all over that. That's it exactly, he continued. We get spoiled by gazing at a vulgar picture, reading a coarse book, or allowing ourselves a little indulgence in dishonest or lustful thoughts. And so, when the time comes for our character to be appraised, we are greatly reduced in value. Our purity, our strength is gone. We are just part and parcel of the general shop-worn stock of the world. What is spiritual sincerity? It is a daily grind. Catch this tonight. If this is all you get out of this sermon, and you leave here tonight determined to be part of this daily grind, it will help you to uh, be more pure and more sincere in your walk with the Lord. Spiritual sincerity is a daily grind of saying no to self, no to sin, and saying yes to the Savior, and saying yes to the grand scheme He has for your life. Paul said here, he said, approve that which is excellent and be sincere, be Pure. Say no to sin. Say no to self. We talked about in the introduction how that that confidence in Christ 
comes when I get myself out of the way. I get my uh, 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 hawked up, my overrated abilities out of the way and say, God, look, I yeah, I'm articulate. Yeah, I, I'm educated or or yeah, Lord, I've taught Sunday school class for X amount of years or I, I've had this many on my bus route on a given Sunday or uh, I've been going to church this many years and, and, and setting all that to the side and saying none of that matters. What matters is that God can and God only can if I turn myself over to him and allow me to use me. Now, you're going to let God use you. You got to be pure in the process. You got to be pure. Now, purity is easy when people are watching you. Remember when I was a teenage boy, um, I went on a youth activity. I was probably 16, 17 years old. Went on a youth activity and uh, it was a, had a good time. It was, a, uh, it was what we call a scarf and barf activity. Scarf and barf. Now, I had a great youth pastor. This is so much fun. What we did is uh, we were uh, suburbia Baltimore. This, by the way, Pastor Mike, this is a great youth activity. Where are you at? This is a great idea. Okay, take notes. Um, the youth pastor had, uh, we, there's probably, I don't know, 20, 25 of us showed up for the activity. And he got a bunch of adults and he uh, put, us in, uh, put us on teams and put us in different cars. What we had to do is we had to go to McDonald's and eat a Big Mac. All of us had to eat our own Big Mac. And then we had to leave and then go to Burger King and we had to eat French fries. And then after we finished, all of us had to finish the French fries. So the way this worked was if one of your teammates was slow, you could all help him get that down. You weren't allowed to leave the building until you had finished. And then uh, we would go to uh, 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 Wendy's and we'd have to get a large Frosty and finish the Frosty. And then after you finished the Frosty, you had to go to uh, 7-Eleven and you had to get a Big Gulp and you had to drink the Big Gulp. And the first team back to the church won. Um, <laughs> my brother's team won. Um, and um, after everyone was gone, he, he barfed all over the parking lot. And then didn't tell anybody. And this is on a Saturday evening. So the pastor pulls up on the property the next day and there is barf all over the parking lot. It was uh, it, it was a memory. It was a memory. Um, in that process, the team I was on, we went to that 7-Eleven and there was a magazine rack at that 7-Eleven with um, some very, very inappropriate magazines. Very inappropriate magazines. And, you know, most I guess most gas stations would have a rack like that. There was a young man in our youth group. Um, I caught him looking at the magazines. And, you know, he's a teenage boy. And I called his name. I won't say it now, but I called his name. I said, what are you doing? And he, oh, uh, nothing, nothing, nothing. And just to talk very blunt here, it's easy to not look at a magazine rack when your wife or your mother is standing right next to you. It's a little bit more difficult to look away when you're the only one in the store and you think nobody's watching. But what is what is this sincerity Paul's talking about, this purity? It's it's remembering that God is always watching me. He's always watching me. It's realizing that I cannot commit my cardinal or rather my besetting sin ever, because even when no one else is around, I still have a God that's looking over my shoulder. Letter or rather, number three, we see that. Uh, in order to achieve the Christian goal, we must bear spiritual fruit. We must bear spiritual fruit. Now, um, I believe that these do work off each other. It, you, you cannot bear spiritual fruit if you're not a sincere Christian. And you uh, will have a hard time being a sincere Christian if you're not refu- if you are refusing to settle. So you've got to refuse to settle. And then once you have refused to settle and you have told yourself, I'm going to quality control my life and through God's power and through the confidence I have through my familiarity with his power, uh, I'm going to refuse to settle. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to do my very best. And then uh, 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 through uh, that, then you get to a place where you say, uh, God, help me to be sincere in my life. And I believe that out of that comes spiritual fruit. Look at verse 11. Being filled, look here, with the fruits of righteousness. The fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. Under the glory and praise of God. The fruits of righteousness. Now, I believe these are the same fruits that you find in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and verse 23. What are those fruits? Well, they get mentioned in church a lot, don't they? 
But I got to be honest, there are times in my week during a tough time that maybe some of these aren't quite where they ought to be. Am I alone? Love. You're always loving, right? Always. There's never a complaining word that comes out of your mouth ever, right? You, you never, ever, ever get hot under the collar ever. Your, your husband leaves his socks on the floor. You've been telling him for 30 years to pick those up. The same pair. You're just waiting for him to pick them up. You're not going to touch them. You don't ever get hot under the collar, do you? Love. Joy. Now, happiness comes and goes. Joy should be permanent. You can go through the hardest trial and still have joy. Joy is inward. Happiness comes from outward. Peace. What if you got fired from your job tomorrow? Some of you have gone through that. I, I've been fired unfairly once. I've only been let go one time. And it was a very unfair situation. And um, i got to tell you, I was in turmoil over that. What's the Bible tell us? Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusteth in thee. These are the fruits of righteousness. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. That carries the idea of long time to heat up. A husband and wife, uh, I was talking to the wife, not part of this ministry. Make sure I get that out there. I don't want anybody speculating. I was talking to the wife, and she was telling me just how long-suffering her husband was. She said, I'm not always a very good wife. She said, uh, Sometimes I can be a little moody and cantankerous. And my husband is so good with me. He, he really has a high tolerance for my behavior when I get that way. She said, but I know when I've crossed the line with him. Because he'll look at me and he'll call my name and he'll say, now that's enough. And she said, I know when he says that I have pushed it too far. But it takes him a long time to get there. Now, that idea of long suffering, a long time to heat up, that doesn't mean that, you know, the fuse gets lit and it's a mile long. And then when it gets to the end, you boom, that's not what that means. That means that you know how to say, hey, listen, that fuse is getting short. It's got to come to a stop. Long suffering. Gentleness. Now, gentleness, uh, I think, is mischaracterized in the Bible. It's uh, almost treated like an effeminate word. But guys, can I tell you, you have been called to be gentle. Yeah, we're rough and tough, right? Arm wrestling contests. Uh, If I've got nothing to do on a Saturday, which never happens, but it used to happen a long time ago. Um, If I've got nothing to do on Saturday, I I used to turn on ESPN2 and watch these strongman competitions. You know, they're they're lifting like 14 cars on a pole. You know what I mean? And they're running it across and, you know, they're, they'll beat each other out by a couple seconds and they've got muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. And, uh, us guys, we just think that's awesome, right? Uh, these, uh, I guess we're up here in New England. You go a little further up north, you have the lumberjacks with the log cutting competitions. And, uh, you know, us guys, we, you ladies are going, I, I don't really get why that entertains you. But, you know, we do because we're guys and we love that stuff. But God's not just called you to be a ball of steel. He's called you to be a ball of steel that's wrapped in velvet. You need to have some principles about you that don't move. Hey, on Sunday, we go to church. Doesn't mean you got to be a jerk about it. Doesn't mean you got to be mean about it. You, you have some gentleness about you. Some grace about you. Hey, listen, guys, there's nothing wrong with opening your wife's car door. Say, oh, I did that when we were dating, but... I don't care if you've been married 30 years. Go open her door. Go open her door. Show some gentleness. Some elbows flying right now. Amen. How about goodness? Goodness. We're talking about the fruits of righteousness here. By the way, you learn to refuse to settle that quality control. And then you get to a place where you're, um, uh, you get to a place where, uh, not only are you refusing to settle, but you're being sincere and being pure in your heart. And then these fruits start to manifest themselves in your life. That goodness, that faith, that meekness, that temperance, that, that meekness. Let me just say a word about meekness, meekness really quick. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. That's a, that's a tough one. 
Meekness doesn't mean you just let everybody push you around. It means you know how to get people to do what they need to do, but you know how to do it with a soft tongue. Hey, you don't have to yell at your kids to get them to do what you want them to do. You say, oh, well, I do. That's how it works in my house. When I tell them what to do, they just ignore me. That's because they know you don't mean it. What if you were to say something and then when they didn't obey you after, you know, a whisper, they got in trouble? I bet the next time they know you meant it. That's power under control. Oftentimes parents will 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 elevate the voice and elevate the voice and elevate the voice. And the kids know where that line is and they'll push the line. By the way, all kids push the line. You just have to have that line set real low. Fruits of righteousness. That's the Christian goal. I, I got to say tonight that White Oak Baptist Church has some people that I believe are doing their very best to live this way. Would you join the team? Would you join the team? The more of us that there are, and by the way, I've got plenty of room to grow in these areas, but the more of us there are, boy, the more we can reach the community around us. There's a whole lot more to the concept of spiritual fruit than just the fruits of the Spirit. There's the, the, the fruits of the Spirit also involve character, and it involves uh, one-day spiritual crowns. And I'm not going to dive into all that tonight, but Christian, can I say to you tonight that you need to find out where you're, how you're doing these things, and you need to do your best to accomplish them. How about it tonight, Christian? Have you become slack? Have you begun to settle? I go to Aldi's, and um, I know, I get my groceries at Aldi's. Don't think less of me. Uh, I love that store. That, that store saved, me lots of, saved us lots of money over the years. But on that package uh, of strawberries you get there, it will say something like this. Double quality guarantee. We'll give you your money and the product back if you find a problem with it. One day I was walking out with some strawberries, and I, uh, I opened the lid, and I saw there were two or three in there that were smashed. I walked back in and they gave me my money back in. They gave me another packet of strawberries that weren't smashed. Christian, um, someone were to go pull the fruits of, of the tree off your, uh, off your life. We're looking at smashed fruit. We're looking at poor quality fruit. Or are we looking at fruits of righteousness that come from the Holy Spirit portraying them in your life? Where are you at with that tonight? Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, I pray tonight that you'd help us to Consider our goals. Lord, may we not wander aimlessly in the Christian life. May we live it with purpose. May we work to accomplish great good. And Lord, I pray that we would refuse to settle, that we would be sincere. We'd be filled with the fruits of the Spirit. And Lord, so maybe something was said tonight, touched a heart and Holy Spirit, my prayer is that you can, did some convicting along the way. Lord, remind us of where we can improve. Help us to take steps that direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed, nice closed. The piano plays, the altar's open.
one more verse of invitation as those here at the altar pray. You can pray there in your seat. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for Paul, uh, rather for uh, Paul, Lord, and his instructions. In a sense, he gave a checklist. And Lord, a checklist of how to make sure the Christian life is lived appropriately. Lord, I think a practical point we can take away from the message tonight is that we come up with our own personal checklists that we hold ourselves to to make sure that our confidence is not being found in ourselves, but it's being found through uh, your ability. And God, that we are... We are fruit inspecting, not others, but our own fruit. And Lord, that we are holding ourselves accountable to you. I pray, God, tonight that you would help us to to, to refuse to settle. May we never settle. From now until the day we die, may we continue to press onward and upward in our Christian lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. And a couple of things here. Jeff, good to see you back, buddy. Glad you're here. And then uh, Kyle and Autumn are back. Good to have you guys back. These lovebirds are getting married here in this auditorium on Friday the 22nd at 5 o'clock. I told you that, so you take uh, make sure you're here, right? And so uh, you're all invited to that. That's going to be a great time. I'm going to get to spend some time with them the upcoming week and doing some premarital counseling and uh, getting them ready to go, planning the ceremony. This will be my first wedding here as the pastor. I'm really excited about this. So, not as excited as Autumn. Autumn, Kyle, very good to have you back for a short time. They're going to be going back up uh, to Michigan, finishing up the semester, and then living life up there. Uh, So, uh, get around them as much as you can while they're in town and let them know you love them. Thank you for being faithful to church on a sunny night. I know for many of you, this service was a character service, as hard as it was. I want to share one more quick testimony. Uh, I uh, I had a, a church member come up to me after the service started, and I'm going to leave it anonymous because I don't know the sensitivity of it. But a church member came up to me after the service started and told me that uh, one of their uh, family members, a sister-in-law, had prayed the prayer during the um, invitation as well during the second service, but just didn't quite have, couldn't muster up the courage to raise a hand. And so uh, this is someone that's been prayed for for a long time. And so praise the Lord for that. If, again, if you put work into uh, the cantata, uh, you, you get a part in that. And I know we're not about rewards, but that's a crown one day you'll be able to lay back at the feet of Jesus. So thank you for all that. There, listen, people spend decades praying for loved ones to get saved, and they come to a service like this and it happens. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. So White Oak Baptist Church, thank you for your hard work. Thank you for all of the, uh, the practice and the hours and uh, it reaped eternal dividends today. And that's why we're here. Amen? Amen. God bless you. I love you as your pastor. You're dismissed.